What kind of evangelism, if any, is going on in Israel today? Is there freedom to share the gospel? Or their Messianic congregations composed of believing Jews? Is there any kind of media outreach with the gospel to the Jewish people? For the answers to these and other questions about the spiritual situation in Israel today, stay tuned for an interview with two Israelis. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have two very special guests in the studio with me today. They are Daniel and Devorah Kalik from Israel. Welcome to God's country, Texas. Well, what <laughs> can we you. say? <laughs> we know God loves Texas. He might love Israel a little bit more. I think you're probably right about that. <laughs> well, tell me, are the two of you natives of Israel? Were you born and raised there? Well, actually, we were not. We're both natives of California. California. Yeah, Northern and San Francisco Bay Area. And Daniel and I were on a trip visiting his family during Passover in 2008. It was our third trip together. And we actually, and the best way to say it is we heard the voice of the Lord telling us that we needed to move to Israel. So when you say your third trip together, you're talking about a trip to Israel? Yes, okay. third trip okay. to Israel okay. together. And what happened is um, we were with some friends. We had gone to a Messianic congregation for the very first time. And we were with some friends who took us out to lunch. And my, the woman who's become my best friend, her name is Josie now, um, she asked both of us we had just sat down just for a couple mm-hmm. minutes even not even and she said so and she looked both at both of us really intently and she said so when are you and daniel going to make aliyah <laughs> well my jaw dropped open because little did even daniel know that she was the third person who had asked that question in about a year, in a matter of a year's time. And so what tumbled out of my mouth was the story of how two other people had asked about us making Aliyah and had mentioned that because now I was married to a Jewish believer, a Jew, under the law of return, I would be entitled to live in Israel. And so um, I this tumbled out of my mouth, and I um, uh, told the whole story to Daniel, and he's kind of looking kind of shocked. <laughs> and I also added, well, honey, I also didn't tell you that right after our honeymoon, I was sitting on our bed in the bedroom studying, as I often do, and I heard the Lord clear as a bell, say to me, you and Daniel are like Ruth and Boaz, and your your home will be in Israel. Now, when you talk about making Aliyah, there are viewers who have no idea what you mean by that term. So (laughs) tell us, uh, what what does Aliyah mean? Right. Aliyah technically means going up. Okay. Like you're going up to Jerusalem. Absolutely. And when you're in Israel, for folks who don't know this, be prepared. You always go up to Jerusalem. Even if you're driving from the southern part of the country, you're going up. Or any way you go, you're going up. So Aliyah is actually the process by which you 
immigrate to Israel, become a citizen. And uh, we have a pretty interesting story as far as... Well, I was going to say, now, first of all, uh, you're a believing Jew. Correct. And you're a Gentile. How in the world do you make Aliyah to Israel? <laughs> well, our it's God, complicated. Yeah. It's and uh, a the lot Lord of prayer. had to pave the way. Oh, Amen. absolutely, Amen. absolutely. We actually, um, when we heard that call in 2008, and of course I had actually heard it in 2007, yeah. um, we began to pray. And we asked everyone to pray for us that Daniel would never be asked if he believed in Yeshua, because this is becoming the big thing, right. the government and the um, the agencies that help with yes. immigration ask this question. And amazingly, Daniel was never asked the question. Thank you, Lord. Um, and I became the problem. And I'll tell you why, because I was a non Jew. Yeah. <laughs> Um, don't don't elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, we uh, we were we were married in a home, in someone's home, and um, we didn't marry in a church. We met later in life. Both of us were widowed, yes. and we met later in life. And so, uh, what happened was my mother's. I'm not Jewish, so they ask you in your papers, what religion are you? So I put Christian because I was a non-Jew. It wasn't going to be an issue. I'd never converted away from Judaism. So um, we put Christian, and then, um, but my mother's maiden name is Wolfson. Wolfson, sounds very Jewish uh, to me. Yes, well, because my grandfather was Jewish. Okay. But, of course, that halakhically speaking, according to Jewish law, my mother was not Jewish yes. because she had a non-Jewish mother. Yes. So they saw that I was a Christian. They saw the name Wolfson, and they made an assumption that I was a Jew who had converted to Christianity. Oh dear, oh dear. That was a problem. That's a big problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. But well, a miracle happened. Daniel had the just the right words God put in his mouth when they were he was talking to them and he said, "No, no, no. She's just not Jewish." She's a non-Jew. We crazy California Jews marry non-Jews all the time. And so then they asked about our wedding. Well, you know, you were married by a pastor. Oh, that was a friend of my wife's. And we didn't have a religious ceremony. That was that's, the key. That's the key. Okay. And we did not have a religious ceremony. Because that. from their perspective, it would have needed to have been done by a rabbi. Yeah, okay. right. Okay. But because we got married in California, and a friend, and non-Jews married Jews all crazy the time. Crazy world of California. What are you going to do? <laughs> These and crazy Jews in California. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They so, do. In addition to that, another miracle happened, and where we, the city we were making Aliyah in, uh, Daniel's uh, family had a very, very good friend who is a Yemenite Jew who taught all the children in Hadera, the city that he was from, um, and uh, prepared them for their bar mitzvah. He knew the woman who was doing our paperwork. (laughs) They had gone to school together. So he called her up and said, I hear you have, you know, a really good friend of our family. You know, you got their papers. And he said, she's no problem. She's more Jewish than all of us. (laughs) And so what's really funny about it, Dave, is that we were kind of getting a little nervous. So we have this upcoming appointment. And so we're practicing. Well, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? What are you going to say? 
We go to the appointment after he makes the phone call. We walk we in. Didn't we didn't know don't about it. We have to say anything. We walk in and she's like stamping this, stamping <laughs> that, stamping <laughs> this. Here's here. And we walk out. Yeah, with, right. That's had to be of God. Oh, absolutely. to Christ in Prophecy and my interview with Daniel and Devorah Kalik, two wonderful friends from Israel. Well, I just want to jump into something here right fast that's rather controversial, and that is, is there freedom to share the gospel in Israel? The simple answer is yes, you can. And it is done. Well, I'm glad you, you made that clear because a lot of Americans believe that is not true. They've, they've heard that you can't share the gospel in Israel. It's not true, and uh, there are several reasons why it's not true, but the most obvious reason is there are thousands of Jewish believers in Israel. <laughs> and trust me when I tell you this, they are actively sharing the gospel. I think this misinformation here is based upon the law in Israel that says you cannot give anybody an incentive to change their religion. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, of course you're not yes. doing that. No. no. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely not. The incentive if you is really the want good to talk news about of Jesus. Oh, yes, you are. Is where do you want to spend eternity? Okay. That's the incentive. But not money. No, no. And not, in fact, not even humanitarian aid, because most of the Messianic ministries in Israel do some form of humanitarian aid. But their attitude is, we do it as Yeshua, as Jesus taught us, for the sake of meeting the need in love. And if they're asked... They share. In fact, I'm sometimes just overwhelmed by the amount of aid, humanitarian aid that's yes. supplied by Christian oh. ministries in oh, Israel. Absolutely. I think the government yes. is a little overwhelmed at times too. Indeed. How Indeed. much? How much? Uh, uh, because uh, most Jews, I believe, have the impression that that uh, Christians don't like Jews, that they hate mm-hmm. Jews, or what. And, and and there's a reason for that. Sure. There's a reason for it. Right. And the reason is that a lot of Christ, uh, persecution of the Jews throughout history has exactly. come from Christians. Yes. In fact, the people who were running the Holocaust all claim to be Christians. That's right. Let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned something about believers in Israel. Are there, are there Messianic congregations there? Yes, there are. There are. Uh, no one has an exact count, yeah. but we estimate somewhere between 150, maybe 175 Messianic congregations. And I would assume that they would vary greatly uh, just as denominations do here in this country. You might have charismatic ones, non-charismatic ones that are all in Hebrew and some that are in English or whatever. It's a smorgasbord. (laughs) Indeed, it's a smorgasbord. They're all over the map. So, indeed. So, uh, the bottom line, though, is that they are uh, existing in Israel. And some people may not know this. But the government knows exactly where they are because they all have to get permits, okay, in order to Mm -hmm. open their house of worship. So the fact that they exist means that the government is aware that they are there. Well, I have a very good friend in Tel Aviv who you probably know, Avi Mizrahi. And Avi is a very aggressive evangelist. And he goes out on the streets and uh, he hands out pamphlets Mm -hmm. and uh, they do all kinds of stuff. But... uh, one time uh, I watched a, a video of him. Uh, he was at the uh, big fountain there in Tel Aviv, and he was handing out brochures, and people were saying no, no, mm-hmm. until 
an Orthodox Jew from Jerusalem came down and started harassing him and yelling and telling people, don't take that. Don't. Then everybody wanted one. Can you explain why? Reverse psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because of the attitude of the average mm-hmm. secular Jew toward the Orthodox? Yeah. Oh, indeed. Uh, approximately 20% of the population in Israel is Orthodox. Yes. And 80% is secular. And the seculars have grown increasingly frustrated with the way the Orthodox have behaved themselves. Well, they, they try to impose their, their way of life upon the exactly. whole society. Exactly. And exactly. so, if you've got an Orthodox harassing you, they want that material. <laughs> Show the Orthodox, he can't tell them what to do, right? There's also just a slight streak of rebellion. <laughs> just a little bit. I told Bobby he needs to hire an Orthodox to come yeah. down yeah. and harass him all the time. Exactly. exactly. And you know, another thing that um, your viewers are, may not know is that there is a shift happening in Israel. And even many of the Orthodox are becoming interested in Yeshua. Of course, presented from a Jewish, in a Jewish context. All right, well, let's talk about that for a moment. The Lord clearly called you to go to Israel. Now you're there. What are you doing there? Well, (laughs) we have a ministry, okay? Uh, we're technically retired, okay, but we, uh, the Lord put it on our heart. You you're don't retire. retire. Yeah. <laughs> you don't retire when you're in the kingdom of That's God. Right. All right. Well, I thought I'd get but away. But you have a That's wonderful it. ministry, and I want you to tell our viewers about it. <laughs> yes. Well, when we got to Israel, we looked around, and we started sort of surveying the lay of the land, and we saw a number of Christian, Christian organizations, Christian pastors coming to Israel and connecting with the Orthodox Jewish community and blessing them and donating to them and supporting them and what have you. But we didn't notice that happening with the believing Jewish community. And we thought to ourselves, why isn't someone giving the Jewish community an opportunity to get connected, get blessed and what have you? Because after all, believing Jews share the same God share the same scripture, share the same Messiah, how come Christians aren't, co- well, we figured out because it's a Jewish country, and in order to have a relationship with the traditional Jews, it makes it difficult. The dynamic is very, very challenging. So we prayed and prayed and prayed, and after a while, it really kind of became clear to us that God wanted us to start this ministry where we are going to give, we are, we've started it, giving Messianic Jews, Jewish congregations of believing Jews and uh, Messianic ministries an opportunity to share what God has put on their heart to help build the kingdom in Israel. And how are you doing that? We are interviewing the leaders of the congregations and the ministries and just like what we're doing right Mm -hmm. now and we give them an opportunity to share what God's put on their heart, talk about the humanitarian outreach that they're doing for example just before we left we interviewed a wonderful man Mm -hmm. who has a ministry that helps uh, Holocaust survivors and he does wonderful things, takes them on tours and talks about it from a biblical perspective, uh, Can I inter- dinners for them and what have you yesterday. Can I interject? It's rather, you know, with these ministries, they do uh, exercise a lot of creativity in how they do their outreach. And this gentleman, um, what he does, he's mostly dealing with Russian descendant uh, Russian ortho, uh, Holocaust survivors. And so he takes them on. They know nothing 
They knew they were in a godless country. Yeah. It was against the law. You couldn't talk about God. So he takes them on bibli- to biblical sites and then shares from the Gospels about Yeshua. Okay, so now you're interviewing these Messianic leaders. Right. What do you do with the interviews? We give them an opportunity to share what God has put on their heart as far as what they do, their uh, purpose of their ministry, uh, the outreach that they do, and the purpose of it is really to give believers around the world an opportunity to see and hear firsthand from the Jewish believing community in Israel what they're doing on a day-to-day basis to help build the kingdom and then establish direct connections with them. Yeah, but how do you do that? It's a TV show, uh, an internet TV show, just like what you have. (laughs) You know, once in a while I wake up, maybe the second You're assuming that we know too much. Uh, (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Okay. The program is called Revelation to the Nations. All right. Okay. And uh, we have it on our website. Uh, We have it on our YouTube channel. We have a Facebook page and what have you. And so we're doing this recording. So people can go there and watch the programs on demand. They can. Yes. So like on a YouTube, where, where would they go? They would go to uh, uh, our YouTube channel. It's simply called Bless Israel Network. Okay, that's Bless Israel Network. And the yeah. title of the program is Revelation to the Nations. Nations. Indeed. Now, th- that sounds to me like that's more of a program aimed at Gentiles than Jews. Well, it is. Indeed, because most, we actually believe that. The Gentiles, it's perfectly appropriate for the Gentiles to step up and bless their believing Jewish brethren in the land. Mm -hmm. And so we want to focus on reaching out to Gentiles and give them an opportunity to see what their believing Jewish brethren are doing in Israel. Because most of them, which we have found out as we've traveled around the states and spoken in churches and Messianic congregations, is that most believers outside Israel don't have a dedicated connection to find out what the Jewish believers in Israel are doing on a day-to-day basis. They have no way to get that information. And what also spurred us to doing this is that in Romans, uh, it was 1527, uh, we call Paul Shaul, but he was talking to uh, a group, I forget which congregation it was, but he was talking about an offering that he always collected whenever he went and set up these Gentile congregations, that he always collected an offering for the brethren who at that time were all gathered in Jerusalem. So this is what our God has shown us we need to do, is to take up that mandate and to encourage Gentiles to, well, Paul says it, he says, you owe it to them. Well, I, I, I really appreciate that, and it's very much needed. Uh, uh, American churches often want to do something for Israel. American Christians want to do something, and they end up doing all the wrong things. Some dynamic individual comes and speaks to them. The next thing you know, they're giving money to rebuild the temple, or they're giving money to fly people in, but it's to the wrong organization, an organization that takes some of that money and uses it to persecute Messianic Jews. You're right about that. And we have actually had conversations with very sincere, loving Christians that we've known for many years, and they tell us about these organizations that they're donating to. And I say, do you know what they do with some of that money? (laughs) And it's shocking. I know. They need to know that. They need to be putting the money where it really matters. Well, and it's supposed to go to the household of faith first. Yes, yes. So if you want to bless Israel, 
really these uh, Christian churches should be blessing the Messianic Jews in Israel. They struggle in many cases. We know this gentleman we just interviewed, he was paying for everything with his own money. And he finally realized, I have to start raising money so that I can grow and expand and touch more people with what I'm doing. And they all feel that way, all of our congregations. Okay, so you are interviewing Messianic leaders in Israel Mm -hmm. and finding out what their congregations are doing and so forth. And then you are putting this together, what, in 30-minute programs? Mm -hmm. Approximately 30 30 minutes. minutes. Do you film those in Israel? Yes, we okay. do. everything is done in Israel. Okay, and then you post those on the uh, Facebook, the internet, uh, YouTube, right. and uh, they are uh, available on demand. That's uh, where would a person in America go on the uh, internet to find these? Our website is called blessisraelnetwork.com. Okay, okay. And on that website, you've got a link to our Facebook page, okay. you've got a link to our YouTube channel. Okay. And uh, can they make donations through that? Uh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, and we are a nonprofit. Okay. We are affiliated right. with a nonprofit, so they can write right. on our website, uh, donate to that. Well, let me, let me shift gears here for just a moment. Well, one thing I wanted to mention is that when you said that God spoke to you and told you to come to Israel, I was going to say, if anybody knows anything about Israel, it, it, you need God to speak to you and tell you to come. <laughs> you know, I take do. groups over all the time, yes. maybe 50 in a group, and we have a wonderful 12-day tour. And everybody says, oh, this is so wonderful. So what, I'd, I'd love to move to Israel. I said, mm-hmm. you don't know Israel. <laughs> it's one thing to tour Israel. It's another thing to move to Israel and become a resident. It is not easy to be an Israeli citizen. Right. It is tough. And, you know, the taxes and everything else that uh, you're living in a tiny country the size of New Jersey that has to have a huge defense force, and you're under constant threat of attack at any moment. Wow. How do you deal with that? There's a when lot. You, <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. When, you, when you make the decision after a lot of prayer yes. to move to Israel, you have to recognize that you are making a life-changing experience mm-hmm. in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. And some ways you may not even be aware of Absolutely. until you have been there for some time. Um, I remember once having a conversation with one of our neighbors uh, when we first moved there. And this was a secular, everyday, average Jewish person. And she said to me, you know, why did you move here? <laughs> okay, why did you move here? And, 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 and where did you come from? And I said, it came from California. She looked at me. She said, "You came from California, okay?" You, so she called it heaven. Yeah. She she said, "You came from heaven." I looked at her. I said, "No, heaven's coming here." There you go. There you go. Heaven's coming here. And she didn't quite get that, but you know, we had some expanded conversation yeah. about that. But you do have to make a decision. Yes. And the decision is an important one, and you have to decide what is more important to you. Yeah. Okay, all the external toys, the conveniences, the weather, the internet, you know, but big house, blah, blah, blah. Or if you want to do something that blesses your brethren, that is in response to something God put on your heart. And so and living that, right in the center of God's yeah, will. Yeah, amen. Exactly. Oh, well, and that's the best part of it all. That's what fuels me, knowing I am walking in my destiny. I'm in the center of God's will. You know, there's a sports term, they say, in the zone. I feel like spiritually <laughs> okay. I'm in the zone. Well, very quickly, uh, we've got about two minutes left in this segment. I wanted to ask you a very uh, uh, important question, and that is Israel is a very tiny nation the size of New Jersey. It has only about 6.5 million Jews. 
news. It's surrounded by 350 million Arabs who would like to see the Mediterranean Sea run red in the blood of Jews, want to annihilate the state of Israel. This idea of two states is ridiculous. They want to annihilate Israel. Does Israel have any hope? Indeed. Israel has lots of hope. First of all, you can talk about all the rockets, you can talk about all the weapons, you can talk about all the armies, you can talk about the size of the countries and the so on and so forth. The underground tunnels. Underground tunnels and everything else. Israel has the one weapon they don't have. Israel has the Lord our God. Amen. Amen. The hope Who neither slept, slumbers nor sleeps. That's Amen. right. The Amen. hope of Israel is the God of Amen. Israel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who has made an eternal everlasting covenant that will never be broken with the Jewish people. It always people. reminds me of one of my favorite editorial cartoons about Israel, which shows all the leaders of the world on one side and Netanyahu on the other, and they're having a rope-pulling contest. Yes. And Netanyahu is winning because behind him there is a finger of God on the rope. Amen. Amen. That's it Amen. in a nutshell. Absolutely. You, you would think that the Jews would realize this. I mean, I'm talking about the secular Jews, that they would realize it. Only nation in history that's been brought back to their homeland, exactly. uh, their language revived, that uh, God is protecting them. I mean, what, what do you have to do to get them to see? You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, okay? amen. And Pray. Part, indeed. The, the secular Jews, this may sound strange, but when you try to remind them that they're supposed to be a light to the nations, yes. that they're supposed to be a nation of priests, and that they are God's chosen people... They don't respond well to that because they think that they've got nothing but bad news to report when they talk about what's been, what's happened to us being distinctive. Welcome back to my interview with Daniel and Devorah Kalik, two Israelis who are here visiting with us in the Texas area. Daniel, I'd like for you to look right into that camera and... Give the message of your heart to the Jewish people. My Jewish brethren, you're looking at a man who was born, raised, and has lived his entire life in the Jewish community in the United States. My father was the Baltakia at our synagogue for 35 years. The rabbi and his wife were personal friends of our family for many years. They dined with us. I'm a Jew. If you're a Jew and you want to know who your Messiah is, I ask you with all sincerity, do not listen to what you hear from people who tell you that Jesus is the Lord of the enemy. He is not the Lord of the enemy. Jesus Yeshua was born, raised, lived his entire life as a Jew. He will return as a Jew. I ask you, open scripture, look at it, including Isaiah 53. And let God speak to your heart about who your Messiah is. When I invited him into my heart, I didn't stop being a Jew. Neither will you. Wow. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Till next week, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. The Bible is literally filled with prophecies about the Jewish people past present, and future. And in fact, the Jewish people are the focus of end-time Bible prophecy. Folks, I've spent the past 40 years studying these remarkable prophecies and their fulfillments, and I have put together a summary of them in a new book of mine that is titled, Israel in Bible Prophecy, Past, Present, and Future. 
The incredible story of Israel in Bible prophecy is proof positive of the existence of God and that the Bible is the Word of God. The first section of the book takes a look at four prophecies that were fulfilled before the beginning of the 20th century. The second section features seven prophecies that were fulfilled in whole or in part during the 20th century. The final section of the book takes a look at the prophecies concerning the future of Israel, showing how the suffering of the Jewish people in the Great Tribulation will lead to their national repentance and salvation. Finally, there is an epilogue in which I explain how all this is relevant to Christians in the 21st century. The book runs 256 pages in length, and it can be yours for a donation of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. To order a copy, either call our office at the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lambline.com. If you call, please call Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. I believe this book will be a great blessing to you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 